before we do anything, uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. Lord, we want to know you better because to know you better is to love you more. And Lord, I pray for each person who's here, none by chance, but all by divine appointment. For those watching on live stream, Lord, use this to minister to our hearts, to draw us closer unto yourself. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. So we've been talking about Hebrews. And again, I say it every week, but hopefully by the time we're done with Hebrews, when you think of Hebrews, you're going to think Jesus is better. Amen. And we've been seeing through the book of Hebrews that the book was written. Uh, it's anonymous. I believe it was the apostle Paul, but ultimately it doesn't matter who penned it. The Holy Spirit wrote it. And it was given to the first century Jews uh, because the first century church was largely Jewish. And they had given their life to the Lord. They recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. But there was a temptation to go back to their old religion, go back to the old covenant. And with that, this letter was written as an exhortation to them that Jesus is better. We saw first that he's better than the prophets. Again, the prophets used mightily by God, but Jesus is more than a prophet. He's almighty God. Amen. You'll meet people and they'll say to you, uh, I'll say, who does Jesus? They'll say he's a prophet. I say, if he's not more than that, you're not going to heaven. Can I get an amen? So Jesus is, is greater than the prophets. We saw that he's greater than the angels. We saw that he's greater than Moses. We saw that we should, were called to enter into his rest. And then the last week we began looking at Jesus is the great high priest. Now keep in mind what was happening and just think about this yourselves. I doubt we have very many people that are being called back into Judaism. Maybe there's a few. But a lot of times what it is, you grew up with a religion. And whatever religion you grew up with, you're putting your faith in the religion. Or you're putting your faith in a church. Or you're putting a faith in these rituals that you were doing. And again, God can use those to lead you to him. But sometimes people substitute the church for Jesus. Guys, the church is not a building. The church is us. We're the body of Christ. And we're the bride of Christ. And so that's who we are. So we don't put our faith in the church. We're the church. We put our faith in Christ. Amen? Amen. And so the exhortation is that as we go through this and you can contemplate what was happening with the Jews in that day, because the temple was still there. We've talked about this. And can you imagine the temple where you always, where you had gone for 30, 40 years, maybe 20, however many years you'd gone there. And all of a sudden you gave your life to Jesus and you know, the sacrificial system, Jesus said, it is finished. We don't need to be sacrificing lambs anymore. We don't need to, the veil's been torn. So you can go into God's presence without having to go through the temple and God replace God. You know, we are the temple of the Holy spirit. We don't need temples anymore. Can I get him into that? So at the same time, you can imagine how difficult that would be because some of them, maybe their family members were still going. Keep in mind, the Christians were being persecuted. It was about the time when people, Christians are getting fed to lions and being covered in pitch and set on fire by Nero. Things like that are happening. And at the same time, so you're being drawn back to the old way that you used to worship God. The same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but no longer under the old covenant. And then you're being persecuted from the outside. And so there's, you fill in the middle. What do I do? How do I respond? So I want to encourage you that, guys, we need to put our faith in Jesus and in nothing and in no one else. Amen? Last week, we started looking at Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a mystery to a lot of people in Scripture. He's only in three verses in the Old Testament. But we talk about the priesthood of Melchizedek, and we talked about some of the things that we see in Melchizedek. And again, he's either Jesus himself, or at the very least, a type or a picture of Jesus. How do we know that? Because when he met with Abraham, Abraham gave him tithes 
Abraham, he brought uh, bread and, and, and uh, wine to Abraham. They took what was basically communion, right? Before it ever took place, before they ever had, ever had it before. That he received worship and he blessed him. And again, the angels wouldn't do that and the prophets wouldn't do that, but Melchizedek did. And so the whole point here is the priesthood of the old covenant was called the Levitical priesthood. And the only way you could be a priest, you had to be of the tribe of Levi and the family of Aaron. So you became a priest because you were born one. And so you got some bad priests that way. Hophni and Phinehas, you remember them? The sons of Eli, who they were partying in the temple and they were getting drunk and having orgies and it was out of control. So because it was by birth. The, the good news is that those Old Testament priests are no longer needed. Can I get an amen? Because we have the great high priest. And what was happening was, as we get to the chapter now, what was happening was people were questioning the Christians to say, well, Jesus can't be the great high priest because he's not of the tribe of Levi. He was of the tribe of Judah. Well, guys, because he's not a Levitical priest, he wasn't someone who was just genetically a priest. He's the great high priest. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who always has been and always will be. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And Jesus is better than the priest. Can I get an amen? So grab your outline. We went through the first half of it last week. I'll remind you, and then we'll dig into the text. So we talk about 12 reasons why Jesus is better than the old covenant priests. And according to the order of Melchizedek, first of all, Jesus was both king and priest. Nowhere do you see that in scripture that it doesn't, isn't a disaster. You had a few kings that tried to take the role of priest. And whenever they did, God brought swift judgment. King Saul, the Philistines were mounting up. He's supposed to wait for a sacrifice to be made. Instead of waiting upon the Lord, he took the place of the priests and made the sacrifice. God ripped the kingdom from him. King Uzziah did the same thing. Took the role of the priest. God struck him with leprosy. Because guys, there's only one who can be king and priest and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so the kings were kings. The priests were priests. Prophets could be a prophet and a priest. Jesus is all of that because Jesus is better than them all. And he is the true and living God. We see that it says of the priest of the line of Melchizedek, it says of Melchizedek, he's without beginning or end. He had no mother or father, no genealogy. Again, to me, so clearly Jesus. Jesus is without beginning or end. By the way, even some Christians get confused. Jesus is not created. He is creator. Amen? He didn't come into being when he came to earth in Bethlehem. He always has been. He always will be. He's the creator of all things. He also is the judge over all things. And everything that was created was created for him. Amen? So Jesus is without beginning and end. We saw that Jesus does the blessing just as we saw that the lesser is blessed by the greater. And as Melchizedek blessed Abraham, when, the, when this verses were being told to Jews, it would sound almost blasphemous to them because they held Abraham in such high esteem. And Abraham was blessed by Jesus, blessed by, as Jesus is in the line of Melchizedek and the order of Melchizedek, I, do, I think it's Melchizedek himself, it's Jesus. He received tithes. Again, the, in the old covenant, they would give tithes to take care of the Levites and the priests, but they were commanded. Well, tithes had not been commanded when Melchizedek was with Abraham. It didn't even exist yet. So because of that, Moses wasn't around yet. Keep that in mind. Okay, that's how far back it goes. So with that being said, they gave, he gave without command, gave freely, and he received the gifts that were given 
to him. Now we're going to pick up there at verse 11, and here's the things we'll go through, number 5 through 11. First of all, we'll see that the Levitical priesthood was temporary. You know, they would go through priests, they would die. So they get a new priest. Then that guy would die, then they'd get a new priest. Some of them lasted a long time, some didn't last very long. Here's the good news. We'll never have a new high priest ever again because Jesus will never die. Amen? He is eternal. Jesus is our great high priest forever. The law can't make you perfect, but Jesus can. I really wanted to spend some time on this this morning. We had a Q&A. By the way, on Thursday nights, we're going we're to do Q&As at the end of every message. So I encourage you when you come, you can write down questions. We're going to take some time at the end. And we can even, if it's about the text or just about something else. And somebody had asked, you know, how can I know for sure that I'm saved? And part of the problem is that we think we earn it. And if you're trying to earn heaven, you'll never feel a peace that you're saved. Amen? Because you will always fall short. Guys, we are not saved by good works. We are saved by grace. Amen? It's the grace of God. You're not saved because you're good. You're saved because he's good. Amen? And we need to be reminded of that. Uh, Jesus is our guarantee of a better covenant. He's the down payment on it. He's the guarantor. He's our surety, as it says in the text. Jesus doesn't need a replacement. Amen? Uh, Jesus is holy. That word gets thrown around a lot. Uh, by the way, if you're calling anybody in your church holy father, stop it. Can I get an amen to that? We're called to be holy for he is holy, but we are not holy apart from him. Amen. And we don't elevate men. We don't praise men. We don't worship men. We don't bow to men. We bow to Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And him alone. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus does not have to make a sacrifice for his own sins. The old covenant, they would have to make a sacrifice for themselves before they could even enter into the holy place because they were sinners. And they needed to be forgiven themselves. Jesus does not need to be forgiven because Jesus has never sinned. He's perfect, holy God. And then finally, Jesus paid for our sin once and for all. The old covenant, they were making sacrifices every single day. They were making sacrifices that were daily, some that were twice a day, some that were monthly. And they had all these sacrifices. And there was blood flowing always. And when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. To Talistai, paid in full. So praise God. No more do we have to drag lambs in here on, a, on the Sabbath. Can I get an amen to that? The price has been paid. So let's begin there in chapter 7 at verse 11, looking at Jesus, our great high priest. Twelve reasons why he is better. We saw that he's both king and priest. He's without beginning or end. He did the blessing. He received tithes. We'll pick up verse 11. The priesthood, the Levitical priesthood was only temporary. Look what it says in verse 11. Therefore... If perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest who should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? If the Levitical priesthood was perfect, why do we need another priest? If the law could save you, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. Amen? See, the law, the Bible says, is a schoolmaster or a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. It, it reveals our sin, but it cannot save us. So the old covenant was used by God. It was implemented by God. It was the, the way that they obeyed the Lord. And by the way, were they saved? Did they get to, because again, Jesus hadn't come yet. So were they redeemed and forgiven because they kept the law? What's the answer? Oh, you don't know. What's the answer? No. No. First of all, 
They couldn't keep it. Can I get an amen? You know, one of the saddest things is when I run into a, a Jewish person and we're talking about, and I love the Jewish people and God's not done with them and they're still God's chosen people. Can I get an amen? And pray for Israel. Can I get an amen? Now, that being said, when I will talk to them, I'll say, well, are you going to heaven? Oh, you know, uh, yeah. I've never had anybody say yes, not one. And then they'll say to me, well, I have to keep all these laws. I say, how are you doing on that? How's that working out? How many you got? 262. How are you doing? I know 10 of them. You're not keeping those. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so the reality is, if the law could save us, we wouldn't need the Savior. The law was never meant to save us. It's God's, you know, desire, direction. It gives us, it gives us some way to live, a pattern to live after, but it also reveals that we're sinners in need of a savior, that we all fall short. So the law cannot save you. Being good cannot save you. By the way, none of you are good. Amen. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And none in the original language means none. That means you and me. Amen. So there's none righteous. So he's saying, look, if the Levitical priesthood was perfect, why do we need a priesthood of the Melchizedek? Why do we need a priest that doesn't come out of the line of Aaron? Why? Because the Levitical priesthood was far from perfect. Because the priests were sinners themselves. Because the priests, again, they were being obedient to make the sacrifices. But again, we know from the word of God that the blood of bulls and goats cannot redeem sinful people. Amen. It's only through the blood of the lamb. One drop of Jesus' blood did more than 3,000 years of slaughtering hundreds of thousands of animals every year. One drop of Jesus' blood did more than all that blood that was shed. Now, why was it shed? Because it was always pointing to Jesus. He's the lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. So all those lambs that were slain were pointing to Jesus. All the bulls and goats that were slain, pointing to Jesus. So Jesus is the answer. He's the fulfillment it was just a foreshadowing of the one who was to come. If the Levitical priesthood of Aaron was all that we needed, why would David have said another priest after Melchizedek would arise? King David said that, that there's one coming, and he's not going to be from the tribe of Aaron. There's not sufficient. It's not enough. It's not perfect. Now, keep in mind, He's talking to Jewish believers who are some of them are being drawn back into that old way of life where they're going to run back and start making sacrifices again. Look, I've been a pastor 33 years and I still hear from people sometimes, well, don't you think we should still be keeping up? No, no. Uh, if you want to have a Passover Seder, I think it's a good idea because you see Jesus in it, but that's not a requirement for salvation. Can I get an amen to that? And going back to the law is running back to the shadow when the true one has already come. Why would we do that? We don't need to do that. Amen. I also have people that they spend time, and I had a lady in my church in Santa Cruz. She spent thousands and thousands of dollars trying to find some Jewish blood in her body somewhere because somehow she thought that would make her more special because she's a completed Jew. By the way, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, barbarian nor Scythian. We're all one in Christ. Can I get an amen to that? So we're either saved or not saved. You're a saint or an ain't. Can I get an amen to that? You're either born again or you're not. And there's no in between when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. So he's, re he's reminding them that, look, if, if there was perfection through the Levitical priesthood, why would we need another priest? If there was perfection through the law, why did Jesus have to die? Look at verse 12. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there's also a change of the law. And again, imagine if you're the person who's been living by the law your whole life, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, it's gone back thousands of years. It was God's plan until Jesus came. And so he says, the law is going to change. What? 
How can the law change? Well, the Bible tells us. The Levitical priesthood was tied to the law of Moses, and so if the priesthood changed, we should anticipate some changes in the status of the law. The law ordained Levites as priests. It commanded the sacrifice of animals for the covering of sin. All of them great pictures of Jesus, but once Jesus came and died on the cross, they were needed no more. The last word of Jesus, I say it often, he says, tetalestai, which is it is finished or paid in full. See, everything else was pointing to him. And once he came, he fulfilled all what all those sacrifices were pointing to. And again, all those sacrifices were not covering people's sins. We're not redeeming them. But they were a faithful act of obedience pointing toward the one who was coming who would forgive them. So when they were making the sacrifices, they were being obedient to the law. They were doing what God called them to do. But it was never meant to be the source of redemption. It was just pointing to the one who would come and redeem us all. Because again, if they could be redeemed by the blood of bulls and goats, why would Jesus have to die on the cross? Amen? Okay, so if you're putting your faith in anything else but Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead, you're worshiping a false god. And you're worshiping false idols. And Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. We don't add to the cross of Calvary. The new high priest is not of the tribe of Levi. The animals are no longer sacrificed. Jesus died once and for all. And the atonement is not found in anything other than the cross of Calvary. Look at verse 13. For we of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. Verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. So the law has changed, because when the law was originally given by, by God through Moses, the priests would all come out of the tribe of Levi. All Levites were priests, but not all priests, I mean, all, all, all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests, okay? They served as priests. They all came from one tribe because they were faithful early on. Remember, God said, call the tribes to them, and the Levites were the ones that all came. And when they did, and others were, were struck down because of their disobedience, that's why God used them as the priestly tribe. But guys, the ultimate plan was always for Jesus to come. The law of Moses, only those from the family of Aaron and the tribe of Levi could sacrifice on the altar. But verse 14 says, our Lord arose from the tribe of Judah. He's referred to in scripture as the lion of the tribe of Judah. I have a grandson named Judah. I love that. Judah means praise. And it's uh, when they were marching through the wilderness, it was the tribe of Judah that led the way because praise leads the way. Can I get an amen? Why do we begin our service with praise? We enter into his courts with praise, with thanksgiving on our hearts. Amen? I would encourage you when you pray, you start off with praise. You hear me when I pray, God, you're holy, you're righteous, you're just, you're faithful, you're loving, you're merciful, you're a great and awesome God. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You always have been, you always will be. Guys, when we begin with praise and recognize who Jesus is, the rest of what we need to pray for doesn't seem that tough to happen. Can I get an amen? We begin with the greatness of our God. And with focus needs to be on him. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He had nothing to do with, the, with Aaron's priesthood. According to the law of Moses, Jesus could have never been a priest. So if he is our great high priest, again, he must be under another priesthood. Jesus is better than the priests of Levi. They all died. Jesus doesn't. The priests were, had to make sacrifices for themselves. Jesus doesn't. 
because he's perfect. Jesus is our answer. It's not the law. The law reveals our sin, but it cannot save us. Salvation, again, is not based on the law. It's not based on temples. It's not based on animal sacrifices. It's not based on feasts. It's not based on rituals. And it breaks my heart to see how many people have put their faith in, in rituals, put their faith in a building, put their faith in stained glass, put their faith in their first holy communion, put their faith in anything or anything else that adds to the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid it all. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Can I get an amen to that? We need to be reminded of that and not lose sight of that. It's not religion, it's a relationship. It's not knowing about God and being religious. Our people say to me, I'm spiritual. What does that mean? I'm spiritual. You got a spirit in you? Okay, congratulations. What does spiritual mean? I just believe. I believe. I'm spiritual. You believe in what? I just, I just believe. Uh, the demons believe and tremble. Can I get an amen? We can say the demons are spiritual. You want to join that group? I don't think so. Here's the reality. But, it's, but what happens is it just sounds, it just sounds you know, and, and this is another word I hate. It just sounds so evolved. I'm just spiritual. I'm just a spiritual person. I have this spiritual thing I love, and I'm just spiritual. Stop it! Do you need Jesus? Can I get an answer? Can I get an amen? I had this just this last week. One of my customers, we, you know, I talk to my customers about the, I love having a full-time job, by the way. I love it, because I get to share my faith every single day. And the guy told me, well, I'm spiritual. I just, what does that mean, bro? What does that mean? I, you know, I just believe there's other things. Like what? Name something. Oh, well, you know, I'm just, I, you know... <laughs> I go, bro, you're going to stand before Almighty God one day and just be doing this? I'm spiritual? <laughs> Guys, it's, it's more than just a belief in belief. It's not just faith in faith. It's not just religion. It's not being spiritual. It's having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. And you know what happens? He puts the Holy Spirit inside of you who is a down payment on heaven. And you don't have to say when someone says, are you going to heaven? You don't say, I hope so. I know so. Not because I'm good, but because I serve a God who was holy, righteous, just, and faithful. Can I get an amen to that? And he paid the price for my sin. And he's given me a down payment on heaven. The Levitical priesthood was temporary. They burned through priests. They came and went and came and went and came and went. Some were good, some not so much. And guess what? By the way, you know what that means? We don't need any more priests. Amen? Some of you went, oh no, my grandma would not like that. Don't talk about that. Don't be saying that and that loud. Grandma's going to haunt me. Well, yeah, no, that's, we don't got to worry about any of that either. Can I get an Amen. Verse 15 to 17. So Levitical priesthood was temporary. There's a reason why Jesus is greater than the old covenant priest. Number six there, Jesus is our great high priest forever. Look at verse 15. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of fleshly commandments, but according to the power of an endless life. Amen and amen and amen. The continuing his thought from the previous verse is the imperfection of the Levitical priesthood. It never brought perfection because neither the sacrifice nor the priest giving it was perfect. 
Now, they had to get a, an animal that was as close to perfect as possible, and then they had the person bringing the sacrifice that had to make a sacrifice for themselves before they could give it, but they were both filled with imperfection. In and of itself, they could never give redemption and acceptance before God, much like the law of Moses from which it came. It can never reveal our need for a Savior. Uh, it can reveal our need for a Savior, but it cannot save you. So why do we have the law? Again, again, it's a guideline for holy living to a certain extent. But the number one thing it does is it reveals that we're sinners. See, without the law, and this is how our world's living right now. I'm living my truth. It's my truth. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Such nonsense. Pastor Dave, just my head explodes every time I hear my truth. What does that mean? The truth I believe. If you don't believe in gravity and it's your truth, you still fall off a building. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> it doesn't matter what you believe is the truth. It matters what the truth is. Can I get an amen? Well, my truth is two plus seven is 57. No, it's nine. Can I get an amen? My truth is, I don't know what gender I am. No, uh, you're a boy or you're a girl. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, there's absolute truth, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Amen? And the sad part is that we've got this, this moral relativism that everybody's truth can be their own truth. I'm living my truth. Well, the sad part is if you live your truth, the eternity is not going to be good. Amen? Because we need Jesus. The Levitical priesthood was incomplete and imperfect. And the law was simply to show us we're sinners. And the sacrificial system was to show them the high price that needed to be paid because of our sin that our sin could not be forgiven without there being a bloody price that was paid. And so every time they made sacrifice, they were recognizing that my sins have consequences. So the law shows us that we're sinners. When I witness to people that aren't saved and I get a chance to talk to them at length and they're open, I always, first thing we want to do is show them that like me, they're sinners. Amen? And usually when you ask people, are you a sinner? Most people say yes. Some go, yeah, I don't think so. That's not my truth. Okay, you ever lied before? Um, no. You're a liar. Now you just lied again. Can I get an amen? You, ever, you know, and you just go through the Ten Commandments, and what happens is once we realize we're sinners, we'll see our need for a Savior. And the law is a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. Amen? It's showing us that we're sinners in need of a Savior, but it cannot save us. So that's the imperfection of the law. The law of Moses, God gave it. It was for direction and, and, and way to live life, but it, was, and it also showed us that we're sinners and that we fall short and we need a Savior. Because its priests were incomplete and imperfect, its sacrifices, while acts of obedience and a clear foreshadow of the one who would come, were incomplete and unable to save in and of themselves. You could not be saved by keeping the law. Salvation is not through the keeping of the law, the sacrifices of bulls and goats by temporary and imperfect priests. But wait a minute, Pastor Dave, didn't God command them to do it? Yes. But when God commanded them to do it, it was always pointing to Jesus. You guys were here on, on Thursday. Every chapter in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And there's my challenge to you. Find a chapter in the Old Testament that point, doesn't point to Jesus. We'll sit down. I'll show you Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? The entire Old Testament is always pointing to the Lord. He is the fulfillment of it all. And he's our savior. So if God commanded them to do it. How could they not be safe through it? Because they were trying to approach the Lord the wrong way. 
How were Old Testament saints saved? It wasn't through feasts. It wasn't through rituals. They were saved by faith. The Bible says Abraham believed. You know, Enoch had faith and was no more. Enoch, Enoch went to heaven before Moses wrote down a word. That gave you a headache right there? Saved by faith. By faith. By faith in the one that is coming. So in and, in and of all the feasts and everything that they all pointed to, the answer again is Jesus. In Hebrew 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, Abel offered God a more excellent sacrifice. Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death. Noah moved with godly fear. Abraham obeyed, went out not knowing where he was going. In Hebrews 11, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Our behalf in him, not sacrifices, not rituals, not keeping of the law. Again, praise God for the law. Praise God that God gave it to us, but the law doesn't save us. Only Jesus can. The Levites were chosen to serve as priests. They all had to respond in faithful obedience at Mount Sinai. The faithful men were used mightily by God. At Mount Sinai, when they're having the drunken orgy, and he said, all those who want to be on the Lord's side, the whole tribe of Levi came. So it was, it was their act of faith that God used them as the priest. Now this says there, there arises another priest. Not one of temporary calling, of sinful earthly imperfection, but the perfect, holy, heavenly, eternal priest, who is not only our great high priest, but our Lord, our Savior, our God, and our King. Again, only Jesus is King and prophet and priest. Verse 16, who has come not according to the law of the flesh of the commandment, but according to the power of eternal or endless life. So it's not come according to the law or fleshly commandment. Jesus' priesthood was not based on the law and wasn't based on his heritage. It was based on who he is. The Aaronic priesthood, again, was through the tribe of Levi and the family of Aaron. Jesus was neither. But it says, but according to the power of an endless life. See, Jesus' authority, his deity and calling as our eternal great high priest, seen clearly in his power over death and the grave. Here's the thing. People will come and say, well, you know, you guys have the Old Testament, but you believe that the fulfillment came in the New Testament. Well, we believe that the fulfillment comes in the Book of Mormon. We fulfill the, book, the fulfillment comes in the Quran. Or we, fulfill, we believe that the answer is from L. Ron Hubbard in Scientology. Or we believe in Christian science. Or we believe... Here's the reality. All other messiahs or leaders or founders of religions are all dead and in the ground. Their bodies can be dug up. Their bones are there. Can, they haven't turned into dust by now. Can I get an amen? Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Guys, the fact that he has triumphed over sin and death proves that his life is eternal. Now, there were people that were raised from the dead in the Bible, but you know, you know what they all have in common? They died again. Jesus was risen and never died again. Amen. He subject himself, took on humanity, suffered and died in our place that we might have eternal life. Being God, he has the power not only to deliver himself from the power of death, but the power to deliver all who follow him from the power of death. For as Christians, death has no sting. Amen. We close our eyes on earth. We open them up in glory. Heaven is better because Jesus is there. Amen? 
And so for us, we grieve, but not as those without hope. When people die that we love, it breaks our hearts because we miss them. But they're doing, if they know the Lord, they're doing way better than all of us. Amen? My mom had Alzheimer's and my dad had died years before her. And she would wake up every day looking for him. And it's kind of heartbreaking. They were married 60 years. And she would, she would say, where's Johnny? It's my dad's name. Where's Johnny? And, and, you know, at first we didn't understand how to deal with Alzheimer's. And if you tell her again that he died, then she's grieving anew every day. So we didn't want to lie to her, but we didn't want to have her grieving every day. So when she would say to me, where's, where's Johnny? I said, mom, he's doing better than all of us. He's doing great. And she says, really? I said, yeah, mom, he's doing great. He's doing so good. He's doing better than he's ever been doing. And you know what? That's the truth. Can I get an amen to that? Because absent from the body, present with the Lord, heaven is better. And they're together again now. And I'm so thankful that there's a day coming when we'll never have to say goodbye. We'll be at the throne of grace. We'll see our Savior face to face. When we now see dimly, we're going to see him clearly soon and very soon. And guys, it just gives me a great joy to know that. Amen? No doubt some of their relatives and friends were holding fast to the old covenant. In so doing, rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. How can he be priest? He's not even a Levite. Oy vey, he's not even a Levite, right? <laughs> How are you going to follow him? What's wrong with you, right? But the writer answers their questions by referring to them to a messianic psalm. Look at verse 17. It says, For he testifies, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This is Psalm 110.4, and I love how the writer is addressing those who believe in the Old Testament. He takes them to, the, to what they believe and uses that to open their eyes. And again, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament was all pointing to Jesus. And the Old Testament, still valid for our lives today. Can I get an amen to that? She'll still study it and read it. It all points to Jesus. Amen. Don't confuse the Old Covenant with the Old Testament. Again, they're, they're separate things, but aligned in some ways. Matthew 27, it said, When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. The, the corrupted priests were at war with Jesus, who is the priest forever. See, here it says, you are a priest forever. That priest forever had never come. So when this book is being written, all the other priests had come and gone, come and gone, come and gone, until you recognize that Jesus is the priest. Now, here's what's amazing. It's, it's tragic and sad. The Levitical priest, with some of the very people who are crying out to crucify, the true priest, the great high priest, amen? So here they were, of Levi, of the tribe, and they were crying out, crucify him! Because they were putting their faith in the old covenant and their priesthood, and rejecting the one who was the fulfillment of the old covenant and the great high priest. They know this is a verse about the Messiah. This comes from a, a psalm about the Messiah. And it says of the Messiah, he is a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So the corrupted priests were at war with Jesus. Uh, who won that battle? Can I get an amen? Who won that battle? Crucify him. He called them a brood of vipers, whited sepulchers. Amen? The Pharisees. Now, there were priests that got saved. We know that. They became Christians. Praise God for them. But many of them, you know, were, were feeling that, that their position, their, you know, their religion, their rituals were saving them, and they saw no need for a Savior. That's why they missed Jesus. Guys, we don't put our trust in people who are born into titles. 
We don't put our trust in people because they wear robes or stand behind a gate. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Again, it's not of the Aaronic Levitical priesthood. It says that he would be, again, of the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. That was written, again, hundreds of years before Jesus ultimately came to earth. So it was always pointing to Jesus. So the Melchizedek, Melchizedek, not Levites, lineage of the Messiah, attributes seen in Jesus. Here they are. No genealogy, no beginning of days or end of life, made like the Son of God, a priest forever. And again, he's either a type of Christ Melchizedek who came and ministered to Abraham thousands of years earlier, or he is Jesus in the flesh. And that's what I believe. So Levitical priesthood was temporary. Jesus is our great high priest. The law can't make you perfect, but Jesus can. Look at verse 18 and 19. It says, for on the one hand, there's a knowing, a knowing of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Now, every Jewish person that heard this, I think their head might explode. Because here's what he just said. The law is a, is, as a source of salvation is weak and unprofitable. It's weak and unprofitable. It's weak and unprofitable. The word annulling there means to put away or to reject. See, the Mosaic system, the old covenant was abolished because for salvation, it was weak and unprofitable. To reveal that we're sinners in need of a savior as a picture of the savior that is coming, wonderful. Called by God, amazing, still can teach us today. But as a source of redeeming and forgiving sin, it is weak and unprofitable. See, the law left unto itself is weak and unprofitable. Why it's valuable as it shows us God's perfect standard, it provides an expert diagnosis of our sin problem. That's what the law does. The law is like if I go to my doctor and she said, take an x-ray. Okay, you take the x-ray and it shows you got a problem with your shoulder and you're going to need surgery. But you know what? The x-ray does not fix the problem. Can I get an amen? You need the, you need the great physician, amen, when it comes to our sin. See, the x-ray, you don't look at the x-ray and go, oh yeah, my shoulder is bad and rub your shoulder with the x-ray. I ain't going to do you any good. And we don't look at the law. The law says it's a mirror, right? It's like a mirror. And when you look at the law, it shows you're a sinner, but you don't pull the mirror off and rub your face with it. Guys, it, all it does is it reveals, it diagnoses our sin. But it cannot redeem us. Can I get an amen to that? I know I'm driving this home, but some of you, say, you might come here on one Sunday and the other Sunday go to the church that tells you you got to keep all the laws or you ain't going. Amen. Law is a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. The law provides no cure for our sin problem. It's weak and unprofitable when it comes to saving my soul or giving me power over sin. How many of you guys, you commit a certain sin and then you just go, I'm going to try to never do that again. Am I the only one? By the time I'm done, I have abs because I'm just so, you know, right? Oh, I don't want to do that again. And then what happens? You do it again. Yes, the only way we have power over sin is by the empowering work of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. Can I get an amen to that? You can't try harder. You can't do better. That's why New Year's resolutions are a joke. Can I get an amen? <laughs> January 1st. I'm going to do 1,000 push-ups every day for the rest of the year. January 3rd, you're eating tacos, watching a football game. <laughs> the reality is that we can't do it. And see, this drives the legalists crazy. 
because there are Christians who are legalists. And what I mean by that is they put all their faith in keeping a bunch of rules. They think that somehow if I keep more rules, I'm more holy and I'm closer to God. And what happens is when you're a legalist, you become less desperate for the Lord and his grace and his mercy. And you start putting more of it on your own behavior. And here's the other thing that legalists do. They love to tell you how you need to act so you can be saved. Have you ever noticed that? I've shared this with you that God put this on my heart a few years ago. Holiness for me, grace for everyone else. God examined my heart. I want to live holy and set apart unto you. But when I look at other people, show them the same grace that God shows me. Amen? You know what the legalist does? Grace for me, holiness for everyone else. Oh, you're a smoker. I thought you were saved. You don't wear a tie to church. Oh, you need to be forgiven. I have a guy that wrote me letters in Santa Cruz once a month telling me I was a false prophet because I didn't wear a tie to church on Sundays. Our church was exploding. People are getting saved. Lives are being changed, but I'm not wearing a tie. I just finally, I, I usually ignore him. I wrote back, Jesus didn't wear a tie. Send it back. <laughs> Can I get an amen? But the legalists want something to hold on to because our sin nature wants to earn it. And here's the problem with legalism. It's do, 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 do. It's do, do. Amen? <laughs> Grace, it's done. Can I get an amen to that? It's done. It's paid in full. There's nothing more you can do to get God to love you more. He already loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. He proved it on the cross of Calvary. Can I get an amen to that? I went to a very legalistic church. My dad pastored Baptist churches when I was young and, and praise God for the Baptist church is where I got saved. First Baptist church in Wilmington, Mrs. Green Sunday school class. Can't wait to give her a big squeeze when I get to heaven. And everything I've done in my life is fruit of her faithfulness. Can I get an amen to that? That being said, they almost fired my dad because my sister and I were playing go fish during a meeting on one of the back pews and cards are from the devil. <laughs> and you know why they're from the devil? Because people gamble with cards. So we're playing fish, and my dad had to literally go through before the board because we played pool tables are from the devil because they're in bars. Exactly. Now you know why I'm a Calvary Chapel pastor. Can I get an amen? And I just remember all the legalism, and, 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 and drums are from the devil. Give me a Bible verse that says that. And, and, and oh, you can't dance. David danced before the Lord. Come on. Amen? And we can get so legalistic that all we're doing is we're being sin sniffers pointing at everybody else's problem instead of recognizing my own sin. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Amen? And the legalist will just bury you in... I've shared this story before. We had a guy that came to the church in San Jose, and he had gone to a church years earlier. And he was drunk. He'd been out all night. He was a biker in a biker gang. And he was out all night. And he just, at the end of it, he just felt horrible. And he was, his bike was parked. And he looked up and there was a church and people going into the church. And he thought, maybe I'd need to do something. And of course, the Holy Spirit's tugging on his heart. So he goes into the church and he sits in the back. And he's listening to the worship. And some of the, one of the ushers came by and said, hey, you smell like alcohol. You're not welcome here. You need to leave. And he got him left. 
You know, it took him 10 years to get back to a church. When he came to Calvary San Jose, he said the first seven or eight times, he would park in his car and he would just weep because he would say, I know when I get to the door, they're just going to reject me. I know they're not going to let me come in. And he said one time he got all the way to the bench right before the door and he still couldn't go in. So finally he gets to the door and praise God for greeters. Can I get an amen? And a man by the name of Don Shotman greeted him and saw him and said, hey, are you new here? God bless you. We're so glad you're here. Matter of fact, why don't you come sit with me and my wife? And that, that man gave his life to the Lord. And 15 years later, he's on fire for God. And guys, I want to tell you something. If we ever make anybody feel unwelcome here, you're going to be unwelcome here. Can I get an amen to that? This is not, this is not a police station. This is a hospital. Amen. We're all sinners in desperate need of a say. We've been born again. We're new creations in Christ. This is where people come to be discipled, to be encouraged, to be loved on, to be ministered to. And again, we need to be careful not to be legalists. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Amen? The law cannot give us the power to keep its standard. The power to live a holy life comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Look what it says in verse 19. For the law, was made, the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. See, the law made nothing perfect. The only thing the law makes perfect is the understanding that no one can keep it. We can get so caught up in the law that we lose sight of our Savior. I've got these rules i got to keep. i got to make sure I'm baptized before I can be saved. I told you that story too. There was a church of Christ right behind our church. And there was this guy, he would literally brought a trailer and was camped out in their parking lot. And I would go out in the uh, parking lot and study because I like getting away from everything. And I'd be studying out there. And I saw this guy there day after day. So finally I said to him, hey, bro, what's up? He goes, oh, I'm taking my discipleship class. And I can't, until I finish my discipleship class, I can't be baptized. I'm afraid to ride my motorcycle back and forth because if I die before I get baptized, I'll go to hell. <laughs> and I have to be baptized. And they're baptismal after they tell me it's okay for me to be baptized. I open up in Romans 10, 9. If you believe in your heart and confess through the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. We can do that right now, bro. Prayed with them, started going to Calvary Chapel. Let's let that go. Can I get an amen? We don't want to add to the cross of Calvary. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Amen? And you have people that are so legalistic and adding to the cross. Law not intended to be the basis of man's walk with God because it cannot save us. Those early Christians being drawn back into dead rituals and legalism. And again, if the law could save, Jesus did not have to die on the cross. A writer keeping the law, saying it's not the answer, it's not the source of perfection. On the other hand, there's bringing in a better hope through which we draw near to God. There's a better hope than the law. The law does not give you a better hope. The law does not draw you near to God. Our better hope is to draw near to God through a better high priest, the great high priest. Our hope is in Jesus, not the law of Moses. Amen. Again, I don't want to say that, the, please don't misunderstand me. The law still has things that God uses in our lives. It's a, it's a standard for holy living. It shows us that we're sinners in need of a savior. I love the Old Testament because Jesus is in every chapter. But salvation doesn't come through keeping the law. Salvation can only come through Jesus Christ. And the one who makes us perfect, it's the Lord, not the law it can only reveal our imperfection. Again, the legalist is centered, a center of his relationship with God is focused on performance. What can I do for God? The other night, someone said, well, I just don't feel like a man of God. What can I do for God? Here's the good news. It's not what you can do for God. It's what God did for you. 
Can I get an amen to that? Okay, it's not what you did for God that got you saved. It's what God did for you that saved you. Amen? See, the focus is not on you. The focus is on him. Amen? And to keep our eyes on Jesus. Christian, the center of our relationship with the Lord is what Jesus did for us. His grace is redeeming work on the cross. Good works flow from grace. Good works are fruit of salvation, not the source of salvation. So should there be good works in the life of a Christian? What's the answer? But do they save you? No. They're not the source of salvation. They're the fruit of salvation. Because I'm saved, good works should flow out of my life. Trying to do good works so I can be saved, that's not how God created it to be. The, the legalist focus on self will never be good enough, will always be burdened and condemned. But by grace, the focus on Jesus, we have hope, we have peace, we've been forgiven, we enter into his rest. And again, we still see it today. Here's the thing. In the old covenant, do you know that there was a lot of walls to get into God's presence? So even the priest had to cleanse himself. And then only on certain days could he even, uh, after sacrifice was made, then he could go into the holy place. And only on the day of atonement and only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. So there are all these things because of man's sin that had not been forgiven, had not been redeemed, had not been paid for, that we couldn't just enter into God's presence. And that's the old covenant. We were pointing to the one he was going to enter in, the one who was going to pay the price. So here's the, and, and I want to say this too. You see a lot of, you know, religions today where the priest is up there and there's a little gate in the front and you got to, and they're over there and there's a box you got to go into and tell it to some guy. So you can, and there's all these walls between you and God. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. We can enter into his presence anywhere and any time. And guys, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. And you can have intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe because he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And again, the veil's been torn. You, there's no more walls between you and Jesus. The old covenant was stand back. The new covenant is come on in. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on in. Come on in. Be, enter into my rest. Enter into my presence. The old covenant was pointing to Jesus, but until he went to the cross, there were gates and walls and veils that only the priest could enter. And the Holy of Holies only on the day of atonement and the new covenant, the veils torn. Leave behind the legal works based salvation and enter into his rest. Number eight there. Again, the law can't make you perfect, but Jesus can. Jesus is our guarantee of a better covenant. Look what it says there in verse 20. It says, And as much as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You're a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The high priests of the order of Aaron were appointed again by their genes. Their descendants of Aaron, you know, of the tribe of Levi, of the family of Aaron, and that's what made them a priest. But he was made priest with an oath. An oath sworn by the father is that the priesthood of Jesus will never end. The Levitical priesthood changed with the death of every individual and was abolished altogether at Calvary. Jesus is better. He's our faithful great high priest. And notice it says there, and, it's, and when you, as you read that, look at verse 21 again. It says, he has an oath by him who said to him. And notice all three, he with an oath by him, 
who said to him. And if you have a good Bible, all those H's are capitalized because that's God the Father speaking to God the Son. Amen? And so we see that this was God's ultimate plan always, that Jesus was going to be the one who came and was the priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 22, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of the better covenant. He's been a surety of the better covenant. By so much more, the unchangeable oath of God, Jesus triumph over sin, death, and the grave. And the word surety there, I love it. It's someone who, who gives security. It's like someone who co-signs on the loan. It's somebody who's the surety for you. So your credit score is, is five. <laughs> and the Lord is perfect. And you can't get the loan on your own. You can't pay the price on your own. You can't even get an opportunity to pay it. And he comes along and makes the guarantee on your behalf. See, Jesus not only is the one who, again, as the great high priest, the priest would make the sacrifice, Jesus is the sacrifice. He suffered and died as if he lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his. What a great and awesome God we serve. Amen? He, know, he knows all the wicked, vile things you've ever done. He knows you best and he loves you most. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a great and awesome God we serve. And there's this oath between the Father and the Son that he is the one. He's the only path. He's the only way. He's our only hope. It's a better covenant. Jesus bailed us out with a price that we could not pay. He took all of our debt upon himself. He is, our salvation is assured in him. He is the better covenant. The old covenant had a mediator, Moses, but no one could guarantee the people's side of the covenant, so they continually failed it. But the new covenant, a better covenant, has a co-signer on our behalf, and that is the Lord. Because we can't do it, but we're made righteous through Him. Amen? We're with Him. That's what makes us righteous. Number nine, Jesus didn't need a replacement. Look at verse 23 to 25. Also, there were many priests, because they were prevented by death from continuing. Uh, okay. When they died, that was it, new priest. And sometimes you didn't get a good one. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. See, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, was constantly replacing the priests because they were all men and all sinners who needed to make sacrifices for themselves, and not all of them are even in heaven. Amen? But they were to represent God to men and men to God. But Jesus, the priesthood of Melchizedek, is an unchangeable priesthood. It is an eternal priesthood. Jesus will never die. He will never vacate his priesthood. We don't need to worry about a bad priest replacing him. Jesus will always be on the throne. We can't vote him out of office. Guys, we can get worried about what happens in politics. Here's the good news. Whoever's in the White House, Jesus is still on the throne. And we can remember that. Can I get an amen to that? And that's where our faith needs to be. He's a faithful God and he's in control. Verse 25, therefore, he was also able to save to the uttermost those from the guttermost. Oh, wait, no, it says there. <laughs> he was able to save to the uttermost those who came to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, don't miss this. We're, all, we're coming to an end here. Don't miss this. A uh, guy named Billy Sunday. Who's heard of Billy Sunday? He's an evangelist. And he's the one that before he got saved, he was a drunk. And when he would teach this text, I read part of his message. He used the term, he said, I've been saved to the uttermost from the guttermost. 
He said, I used to wake up in the gutter barfing on myself, and I've been saved to the uttermost. Now, it's not saved from the uttermost to the uttermost. We've been saved from it, but what we've been saved to is so much greater. Amen? Sometimes I think we only remember what we've been saved from, and we should remember that. Can I get an amen to that? That's a valid biblical doctrinal truth. We've all been saved from, from lives that are, are not worthy of, of saving. Amen? So we, that's true. But sometimes we forget what we've been saved to. We've been saved to holy perfection. We've been saved to, to the promise of eternal life. We've been saved to heaven. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got a down payment on heaven. Our name's written in the Lamb's book of life. We have the promise of eternal life. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus Christ is our best friend and our, and our God the Father in heaven is our Abba, our Daddy. Can I get an amen to that? So not just what we've been saved from, which is amazing in and of itself, but what have we been saved to? We've been saved to the uttermost. We've been saved to something so amazing we won't fully grasp it until we get to heaven. Those who come to the Lord through him, salvation is only through him. Oh, that's narrow. I don't like that's narrow. I don't like that's narrow. I, I need 50 paths to choose from and I need to pick my own truth. Um, the building's on fire. There's the door out. I don't like that. That's narrow. I'm, what if I want to dig a, a, you know, through the concrete and try to get, you know, burn to death before it happens? I, but that's not, a, I don't like that truth. I need my own truth. I need to discover my own way. Uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There are no other truths. There are no other hopes. There are no other ways. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ or you reject him. Can I get an amen? So choose today whom you're going to serve. And Jesus is the only way. He always lives to make intercession for them. Guys, when you're struggling, can I encourage you? God reminds me of this always. If I'm going through a difficult time or I'm struggling or there's a temptation, I'm reminded that Jesus is praying for me. Be reminded. If you're going through difficulties and trials, Jesus is interceding for you. Amen? You know, people like to come, and I love to pray for you, but people will come to me and say, Pastor David, I need you to pray for me. Like, my prayer's better. It's not than yours. Can I get an amen? Just saying. But, uh, I love to pray for you. And some of people think, well, if the pastor prays, that'll probably carry more weight. Guess what? Jesus is praying for you. That blows doors on the pastor. Can I get an amen? amen? That blows doors on anybody else. Jesus prays for us. He intercedes on our behalf. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. Guys, we're not walking this life alone. Amen? No matter what COVID might have made you think, can I get an amen to that? We're not walking this life alone. The Lord, if God is for us, who can be against us? They're being tempted to go back to the old covenant where the priest wasn't in heaven interceding on their behalf. How this would have encouraged these Jewish Christians who may have felt like giving up, who were concerned about the persecution going on all around them. In Leviticus, uh, Luke 22, it says this. It said, Jesus is interceding on behalf of his people. He says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus prays to strengthen Peter when Satan is going after him. So Satan can tempt you and Jesus is praying for you. Can I get an amen to that? Be reminded the next time you're tempted that the Lord not only makes a way of escape, but he's interceding on your behalf. Point number 10, Jesus is holy. Look at verse 26. For such a great high priest was fitting for us, who is holy. Now, as believers, we 
are holy in him, but he is holy in and of himself. Amen? He's holy. Not only is he holy, it says there he is harmless, which means innocent. He is undefiled. He is separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens. He's holy. He's harmless. He's innocent. He's separated. He's higher than the heavens. Jesus' character is far superior to any earthly priest that's ever lived. Amen? I had a, when I was in training class years and years ago, at my, my work, I had to go to some training in, in, in San Francisco, and a young man sat next to me. I love divine appointments. He found out I was a pastor, and he said, oh, I used to be a Christian, and then my pastor, we found out, was sleeping with a bunch of women in the church. And we had to throw him out. And what a stinking hypocrite. And that guy. And, this. and he was all bent out of shape and said he stopped going to church. I said, bro, you're putting your faith in the wrong person. Amen? Amen. If, if a pastor falling makes you fall, you're, you have your faith in the wrong person. Now, as pastors, we know. the last, I'll tell you what. I'd rather get hit by a bus. I'd rather be drugged behind a truck through gravel. Amen? I'd rather walk through a dynamite factory with flame, flame flowers than, than be disqualified from ministry because of something I've done. Amen? Yeah. Take that seriously. But that being said, if I did something horrible to disqualify me from ministry, it should not waver your faith one bit because your faith's not in me or any other pastor. Your faith is in Jesus Christ, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I get an amen to that? You keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't put your faith in men. And again, it's sad. I see men fall, and it causes people to fall. And every pastor that I know of, that's their greatest, uh, you know, the greatest concern. Lord, keep me, keep me from falling, Lord. I want to honor you. He's higher than the heavens. He's been exalted in heaven by the fact that he did not need to offer up sacrifices for his own sins because he is sinless and perfect. Number 11, Jesus does not have to make a sacrifice for his own sins. Look what it says in verse 27. He who does, not need who, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, and then for the people's, for this he did once and for all offered up himself. So Jesus never had to make a sacrifice for himself because he's perfect. And once he made a sacrifice for us, he never had to do it again. It was once and for all. It's paid in full. As many of you dare to put, you know, where you put your faith, the Levitical high priest was a sinner in need of a savior himself. And Jesus alone is worthy of our worship and our praise and our honor. Final point, verse 27 and 28. Jesus paid for our sin once and for all. Look what it says in verse 27, 28. Let's rest at 27. He did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath which came after the law, appoints the son who has been perfected forever. All the other priests were weak. All the other priests were sinners. All the other priests were flawed. All the other priests could not save anyone. All the other priests could be used by the Lord, by the grace of God. So here's what's happening. Remember the context. Some are thinking of going back to the priests. Some are thinking of going back to the, to the separation and the walls between them and the gates are up and the sacrifices that are being made are temporary. There's so many that are being tempted to go back to that. And what he's telling him at the end of this verse is Jesus has been perfected forever. And you, don't, you shouldn't go back to a flawed priest when you have the great high priest. Don't go back to dead religion when you can have a living relationship with the true and living God. Amen? Amen. And this is the exhortation that Jesus is 
better. All those battles with the Pharisees, who won? Amen? Jesus did. And guys, we don't follow men. We follow our Savior and praise God for his love and his grace and his infinite mercy. So in closing, our great high priest, we saw last week he's both king and priest. He's without beginning or end. He does the blessing as he is the greater. He received tithes. We saw that the Levitical priesthood was temporary, but he's our great high priest forever. The law can't make you perfect, but Jesus can. He's our guarantee of a better covenant. He's our down payment on heaven. He's the guarantee that we're going. Um, Jesus doesn't need a replacement. Jesus is holy. Jesus does not have to make sacrifice for his own sins. And Jesus Christ paid for our sin once and for all. You know what? I think when you wake up tomorrow morning, be reminded again, open up your Bible and read it, but be reminded again that Jesus paid for your sin once and for all, that you've been forgiven, that you're a new creation in Christ. He stamped you with a down payment on heaven. You're going to close your eyes on earth and open them up in glory. Death has no sting. Guys, we don't live a hope so. We have a no so because we serve a risen living Savior. Can I get an amen to that? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. And Lord, we can't, not only are you better, you're best. There's nobody beside you, before you, or after you. You are the great I am. You're the Alpha and the Omega. And the fact that you're our Savior, our Lord, our King, our God, our Redeemer, our best friend. Lord, we're so thankful. We can't imagine living this life without you. Lord, I pray we would not live lives that are with saved souls and lukewarm lives. We wouldn't be satisfied with a get-out-of-hell-free card in our pocket. But Lord, we desire to walk daily in intimate fellowship with you. Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Give us divine appointments and opportunities to share the hope that lies within us. May you continue to remind us of who we are in you and in you alone. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said... Amen.